County Views is sponsored by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. The following is the County Views podcast as broadcast on West Limerick 102FM on the 22nd of January 2020 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Kaur McCarton, Dick Lanigan, Eddie Ryan and Owen Hand. As this is a County Views podcast, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. West Limerick 102. Yep. Cool. Good evening listeners and it's Wednesday night again and I'm joined by a nice crowd of people tonight on this beautiful Wednesday evening broadcasting from West Limerick and of course as usual by Tom Ryan, Dick Lanigan, Coral McCourton and a very well known gentleman to many many people indeed and a Torah gentleman as well, Own Hand. Now, as I said to the lads a little while ago, what can I not say about some people and what could I say? I have about 10 pages on own hand, so we've got to cut it a little short. We won't be able to read it all out. After a series of outstanding displays, own hand was signed by Portsmouth for transfer of 8,000 in 1968. He impressed so much at Portsmouth that he earned a call up to Republic of Ireland national team and went on to earn 19 caps. He also was manager of Ireland and he well, they were unlucky it says in the first World Cup qualifying campaign in his first World Cup campaign Ireland only lost out to France on a goal difference when Ireland conceded a late goal to Belgium after having what most commentators described as a perfectly good goal disallowed and the image of own hand on the bench which he said in his hands post-match is widely shown in Ireland and as one of Ireland's finished on a remarkable tour in the qualifying campaign overall. So uh, also a wonderful entertainer, a fabulous singer and he's been with umpteen, umpteen amount of clubs and he managed Limerick of course and much, much more on. Is that enough to say? I kind of think I'm a bit of a gypsy, actually. <laughs> the way I've been going. so many. If I, read, if I read them all out from, <laughs> from Africa to, to America to Limerick and all in Saudi between. Saudi Arabia as well, two years there. Yeah, yeah, well, that was yeah, tough, yeah. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it financially. <laughs> Now, from uh, the, the FAI, of course, we, we we this program is out every Wednesday night. You might have heard it and you might not, and we would have a mix of people from time to time, but many of our panel here and, indeed, listeners coming into us would seem to have been horrified for quite a, many, many years back with the FAI and its behaviour and the way it finished up and a board in the FAI who didn't seem to be... Uh, doing their duty or not acting as responsible as they should be, as things seem to get out of hand, I believe it's something like 62 million debt or something to that ballpark. It's running wild. In your time, you had quite a lot of involvement with the FAI, obviously. I did, as a player, as a manager. And then in 1999, I um, was appointed a career guidance officer which was dealing with the advice for the kids, go to schools, go to clubs all over the country and all that kind of stuff. And that expanded in 2001, dealing with all the compensations for any of the players who were signed over there. There was a seminar in Budapest and uh, I asked the CEO at the time, I said I should be, I should go out to this one. 
Uh, it was Bernard O'Byrne, I think, or it might have been the man after him, uh, the, uh, Brendan Menton. Um, and I went out there and then had this information about all the, the compensation, which would be very valuable to all the junior clubs, schoolboy clubs, who had players being recruited. And there was a lot being recruited because of Brian Kerr's era with the, juniors, you know, the, the youths, and he was very successful, as you might remember. But uh, that, was, um, that expanded my role in a big way. So there was a lot of money coming in. And of course, then the two big, uh, big name soccer players that I used as to, to disseminate the information was, uh, it was uh, Damien Duff and uh, Robbie Keane at the time, going from uh, Crumlin mm. and respectively and Whitehall. Uh, so th that kind of highlighted the whole thing. And so it was good to be able to facilitate uh, all these things going on between the English clubs and the because the English clubs would just treat the Irish clubs, schoolboy clubs would be giving them say a set of jerseys and a few footballs whereas there was really substantial money involved so I was always there to make sure that the, any negotiations that were going on were fairly treated and the, the, the strategy I adopted was progress payments so in other words take less than the FIFA laws would, would say it was 100,000 just take a figure just to make it easy could be more could be less but then say okay settle on a figure of guaranteed 50 but if the player was successful that 100,000 would go to 200 now that was a win-win situation because both couldn't the Irish club couldn't argue the English club couldn't argue because there was a winner and that was the player and that was the strategy that made it successful never never had one mess up with any club if they were serious you know, if they weren't serious, well, then they would... Oh, yeah, the other thing is I'd make them sure that they came to Ireland, to the parish where that lad was from, whether it be Cove, whether it be uh, out in near Ackett Island or whatever it was. Come to there, that's where the lad's club was, and that's shown a bit of respect to everybody. Mm. And it worked. Once they travelled, I knew that we would, we would sort this thing out. So it was a lot of work like that. And then, of course, I mean, just fast-forwarding, I mean... Uh, I got a hell of a land in 2012 when uh, my work had kind of expanded to such a rate and I was 65 and I went up to talk about like a maybe kind of lessening back on the work and I was just told bluntly, well, we're not renewing your contract and wow, anyway, that set a whole thing in motion where the CEO said, if you go legal on this, I'll take it to personal, it'll be war and there was. <laughs> Who was the CEO at that time? John Delaney. And was he there long at that time? He was, at that time, uh, 2012, he was boss since 2005, so he was seven years in charge. Yeah. Now, I don't want to be hogging all this, by the way, but, I mean, when he came in first, uh, I thought he was great. Mm -hmm. he, he put organisation into the whole thing that was never there before. It was kind of a real mess. Yeah. Or even travel arrangements for the scene. So, if I interrupt you, yeah. he, he came into a mess and he went out with a mess. <laughs> yeah, but we, little did we know that he was, he was building his own empire, yeah. as it turned out. And, you know, anybody that kind of showed any opposition, they didn't last very long. Yeah. So, and I was one of them, you know, because I was kind of uh, proactive about everything. Yeah. You know, so, uh, disagreeing with certain things that I thought needed disagreeing with. And it didn't matter that there was money, big money's coming into all the schoolboy clubs. Uh, in fact, I'll never forget him saying to me, uh, we, we don't get a penny of that. And I said, what do you mean? It's going into the development of the grassroots. It's going to all the individual clubs. Mm -hmm. And now I know what he meant. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. He wasn't getting his share. Well, Tom, FAI, you're familiar with all that oh, yourself. Yeah, it, 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 in the lateral yeah. stages of it, yeah. Dr. Wilkin Board here, you know. I mean, he's, he's a national, national figure. Yeah. Well loved and, you know, and like all over the country, afraid working here on, on the field and off the field. To listen to, to 
and giving that brief synopsis of his of his work after retiring and out of you know a desperate situation. I remember that that scheme that they had. You know, I actually fact now I'm I'm delighted. You know, from my own information that it was a success because I thought it was more publicity than anything else. I didn't. I, I wasn't aware that the clubs were able to maintain and get those face payments after us from the players that were going through them. Because like as the as the young players go through and even now both the big clubs are. There's an awful lot of uh, dissatisfaction, really. I say with that, with that treatment number one, and you know, it's not as I think it's not as fruitful as proposed and as you know as advertised. So I mean, to have somebody like Owen to oversee the, those transfers and those uh, young young players, I mean, top class players, world players, you know, going to top clubs in England, like whatever, someone there to say, look, as a guarantee. This is what's happening, and that's what will happen. And it was a huge support for the clubs. I mean, I'm fascinated by it now to hear that it, it actually was working. I didn't think him. I didn't think actually that it was. You know, I I I, knew, uh, I followed it, and I thought it was a great idea. But to hear on saying that every club and every player was supported in that regard and was followed up, I'm glad to hear that, and it's great to hear. Him. And I, I also know that. Uh, you know, who he treated, like, I mean, it was a good job, you know, and a lot of us got those kind of setbacks in our time, you know, Yeah, I think both Owen and yourself, Tom, you have something but in common, not, you know. Nothing common. <laughs> Tom's claim to fame, at least, the, the claim to fame that I give him anyway, after he winning the National Hurling League in Innes, he was sacked before he got out of Innes <laughs> the same evening. <laughs> Dick, yeah. the FAI. Yeah, the FAI. Um, just uh, I did a little bit of research on it, but one thing that struck me uh, today was in, in 2017, um, there was um, 30% of young lads between 16 and 19 playing soccer. It's now 22%. You know, it's what uh, just uh, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about looking after young lads. There's so many social distractions now. Um, so if people like Owen that try and help people, that's what you're looking for, not mm. trying to grab every penny that's there. There's a couple of things. Um, <coughs> I went in 2017, I just looked at the accounts this evening. They, they, they said they made 2.8 million profit and it turned out to be 2.8 million of a loss. That's 5 million and it had to be changed the following year. And the following year after that, they're down to 8.5 million. Okay, so I won't delay too long. The director's uh, renomination was how many directors? Eight or ten, I think. It was yeah. four hundred eighty-eight thousand, and that's for no, sorry, that four hundred eighty-eight thousand was for um, qualifying services is put down as for directors, and their actual fees for the directors that did nothing by their own admission and apologised was nine hundred ninety-four thousand six hundred eighty-eight euros. Somebody just sent in the text. There's a quite a lot of text messages up here already. One of them is, are you going to be talking about football all night? No, we will not be talking about football all night. For about 10 more minutes, we'll talk about this football situation and then we'll move on because we have a surprise guest here with us as well. Eddie Ryan, uh, Fianna Fáil County Councillor from Galbally, who was nominated or selected at Fianna Fáil Convention last January by 78 votes to 70. He's runner-up. He was waiting for the call to Dublin. It never came. 
And then uh, last week, Fianna Fáil had a meeting whether that had a second candidate here in County Limerick or not. They made no decision. Then last Monday, they made a decision to put Eddie Ryan on with very short notice and a short span. And then the Irish Times today quoted Councillor Eddie Ryan, who has now joined us. We will speak to him a little later on. And not so fast, Eddie. A week is a long time in politics, so the cliche goes. But for Fianna Fáil's Eddie Ryan, it must be an eternal Fast Eddie declared his intention on Monday night to run for a Dáil seat in Limerick alongside Paul Topping party colleague Niall Collins. The pair are going to be a formidable force in the Treaty City. Ryan vowed to the Limerick leader, I feel I have something to offer to the people of Limerick, he declared. I am looking forward to the challenge this spring and look forward to meeting the people on the doors and on the streets. But having slept on it, Ryan changed his mind and had pulled out of the race by the following morning. Fianna Fáil headquarters said it was obviously disappointed by the speedy U-turn. The party has yet to decide if Collins will have a replacement running mate. So we'll be back to that in about 10 minutes. Sorry there now for interrupting the football. Carol, you had some comments early on. I would say just briefly, what baffles me about the whole FAIF battle was the accountants, I think the lot in Touche, how they didn't spot what was going on much earlier. And uh, this has happened in other organisations in this country over the last number of years as well. And uh, maybe Owen there might have, uh, uh, he might have more knowledge about that. I'm not, uh, I'm not up to speed or up fair on uh, FA, uh, FAI matters on. It, it, it's a big question mark there because, I mean, they should have complete control for as an audit and all that. That's but right. it just shows you the control that was held by one man, that, that stuff like that was withdrawn, it was withheld. So uh, can I just make a very important point about what you know, Dick had said there about the, the kids and the, mm. the drop and all that. Uh, in 2005, uh, we were still in the... Uh, uh, when John Delaney got the, the head job, and there was talk of moving to Abbottstown and, it was, and a huge talk about a national academy which would have been absolutely fantastic. In other words, the players wouldn't have to go to England until they did their leaving certs here. Now, that was all discussed, and Abbottstown was part of that, and John Delaney was talking to me, and I said, look, there's a man called Dave Richardson who's the head of all the academies in the Premier League. Now, that's a big job. Dave, I was very friendly with, and Dave was retiring, but I said to him, would you come over and do a little bit of, uh, what do you call it, um, advice and whatever the hell, just a little bit of uh, work for that. He said, of course I will. The knowledge that man had... I picked him up at the airport. John Delaney said, that'd be great. Picked him up at the airport, brought him into Merrion Square. First thing was, we were kept waiting for about an hour, and I thought, that's not nice. You know, it was an appointed time. Then in, and all through the day, when Dave was saying about that, no interest whatsoever. Mr Delaney was there on his phone, texting, texting, to a point where I said, John, is this a bad time? And he said, no, I'm listening to everything. And he was no more listening. And Dave, and we, we got up, and I was embarrassed. And Dave turned to me and he says, that's the most ignorant man I've ever met. And I was all apologetic. I said, I'm sorry, Dave, I really am. So it showed me there was no interest in an academy, absolutely none, because if that was the rejection of this man, the way it was... And then he went back to England and, of course, spread the gospel. <coughs> now, if that academy had gone ahead, there would have been a huge improvement of all the young players and much more... Co and plus coaches. Yes. And it, the whole thing, the structures, would have been totally different, like the Norwegian model and, and other countries where they have a huge structure on it. The loss of an academy, a national academy, was massive. It's never happened. Well, you see, I suppose it's, it's great to hear the, um, somebody 
because that's just like everyone talking about the situation from within. And we can all relate to the to what happened. Like and it's, it, it is uh, you know, it's a, you've touched some on something there, you know, I know that's that is actually the, at the kernel of all this, you know. I mean and it's the the the, the governance and the accountability of our accounting companies and the later were what the companies need to mean. You know, the company and they're they're I mean what responsibility they walked away. They said we can't have this. That, that 20, it's not for, I think twenty or twenty years like I've had it, you know. I mean it's an easy walk away then when the when the thing has hit the fan, you know. And to be honest about it like that has happened across the board in both in private companies, in the banks. The banks especially in, in particular. Mm. They blame everybody the banks, but no one blame the accountants. There is no there is no the professional I mean misconduct by by those people like are unbelievable. And there is no you know, I mean if you look at our tax input and our tax take from these companies and from all the and from all the the, the, the big huge companies, we're gonna get the fraction. These people are not and it's a big job for them, it's a money racket, they're all big nice, they're playing golf, they're playing all over the world, they have offices all over the world. And they're actually accountable to nobody like themselves. And when the, and the one thing at aspect of it that I can't I believe at all is that the, the way that the the management of the FAI they allowed all this to happen. That has happened in a lot of semi-state companies as well. And I mean, the FBI is a private company, the GA is here. I mean, the, the hospitals in the top the millions, the hundreds of millions. Now, I, I, I must say one thing, that the FBI weren't nearly getting the least money. They were getting 2.6 or 3 million. What are the GA getting? What are hospitals in Ireland getting? They're getting hundreds of millions. The Greyhound, I mean, to get 60 or 70 million. They got 40 million last year, or the year before 2018. So, like, I mean, there is no, I mean, there is no accountability, uh, you, you know, from the, what the money that's been squandered. Now, the mess that they are in, like, I mean, I am the whole lot of sympathy now from, to be honest about it, because, you know, they're, they're, they're all, they were all shouting for the lady. He was a great man. He was buying them drink. He was singing rebel songs. And he was the man in the moment, like, you know, then what about him now? He's the elephant in the room at the moment now. Don't even I have mentioned him is. He's old. That's the only name we haven't mentioned. The same he was ever there. Tis all who's going to pay the, who's going to pick up the tab. That's what it's all about now. And, and you know, and I think that all these new directors that's been put in there, I, I, I doubt what they yeah. actually been able to put this thing straight because this thing, I'd say, has to go into debt into liquidation and start again, you know, because a lesson has to be learned and the old, the old, the old style management is still there, there are open delegates and, there, and as one has said, if you open, if you say something, if you criticise or even make a, make, I mean, that, that behaviour of the, of the head of the academy that came from England, right? was it Mr Richardson? Was it? Richardson, yeah, yeah, Dave Richardson. That was unbelievable, yeah. like, and, and to have that said, those are the issues that should have been and mm. that should be spoken mm. about. And those are the issues that definitely like the people in the public should know about, you know, because this is going to be what what they're going to do now, I, I think myself they're going to supplement it and they're going to guarantee the debt in the state. You know, that's what it looks like. And mm. there's a big you know, there's a big cry for that to happen. I wouldn't be crying for it to happen. 
because I'm a, a supporter of giving money to any of those organisations, rugby union, soccer, GA or anyone. But Tom, when you say not giving money to any of those organisations, but I mean, local clubs built soccer or GA, I mean, uh, they're doing tremendous work. I mean, they're entitled, I mean, you, you have the sports capital. Are you talking about the sports capital grants now? I'm talking about them handing yeah. out money to the FAI, the GA. No, when you say handing out, handing out to hand who? To the, the governance body. Who? Who in the right but mind I mean, would, the, would stand by and watch the GA getting billions of support? The richest organisation with the rugby union in the world. Amateur organisation, why I? They shouldn't get one penny. We have but a, are you the, saying then... Are you, are you saying that local clubs? Yeah, like I am, yeah. Like I am. I'm saying that because... I'm not, not entitled to any sports capital grant. Well, should they entitled because... I mean, not, I mean, the system if you is see there the now. Amount, if you see the amount of work and effort and, 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 and the progress that's made within but, these clubs, I mean... Uh, you let know, the GA I mean, provide it. That's what I'm saying. The public board shouldn't be providing it. Well, no, hold on now. Just, just a minute. The GA of all the organisations at their annual congress... They give a detailed account of their uh, uh, financial statement, therefore all to see. I, I don't know about the FAI or the, um, the, the hospital organisation, whatever they're called. But no, no, Tom, I think you're too critical of the GA here, because it's, 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 it's the grassroots that gets it, they're there to account for it, and they're there to show what they do with the money. Now, I'd cut in here, lads, because that could... Sorry, on yeah? The FAI did it going around, but it was done by a personal... It was, it was like John Delaney going around giving sweeties out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. wasn't coming from the FAI. <laughs> and that's where a lot of people in Kerry and all saying, oh, you get a great wealth. It's just John Delaney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> great, to hear, great to hear Owen Hand, who was one of the few people who queried the finances in the FAI. He was labelled a troublemaker. Pity there wasn't a few more troublemakers like him. Now, I find that one quite interesting because Tom Ryan and I would be familiar with all this on boards and different things. Uh, across me- nearly every kind of an organisation, the guy who asks what might be called as the awkward question that a question should be asked, they're usually kind of blackened and labelled as a troublemaker and, and uh, the, the silent ones, the dummies or whatever we want to call them, and allow the boards to behave in the manner mm. which they did, which isn't doing their duty at all. Mind you, just quickly, saying, I mean, it'll be very interesting, it's taken a long time, but the corporate governments and the police have are doing a big inquiry. So it'll be interesting, the Guardi are, are doing an inquiry yeah, as well. Yeah, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see the outcome that's, of that. That's after the Coyze report, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 So we'll hold that there and hopefully yeah. we'll have hand back again in some night in, and we'll do it in more detail or in another programme because this one usually goes mixed. Eddie Ryan, you have to account for yourself. No, apologies for being late. In more ways than one. (laughs) Now, I'm delighted to be in the studio with Owen Hand. Delighted to meet you. And uh, with, of course, Tom Ryan, Dick and Kieran, And, of course, your good self. And uh, can I just say on this topic before you move on, that you look at what happened with the banks, the the FAI, the IFA, another group, another organisation. Nobody knew what was going on until the bubble (coughs) burst. But I'd hold with uh, Kieran on the... Kerala. Kerala, Kerala. Sorry? It's all right, sorry, go on. No, sorry. Cyril Curtin. Cyril Kerala Kerala McCurtain. My apologies. A man who spent his life doing voluntary work. (laughs) Okay, but the fact of the matter is, in relation to money, money spent on the youth, you're keeping the streets safe, 
you're avoiding antisocial behaviour you mm. have to spend money as well and it's a, it's an asset to your own and others if you yeah. occupy think of all the soccer tubs and my own is right the field is very near me at home in Galway that they're there early 9, 10 o'clock Saturday and Sunday morning working with the young people and with the adults all over the horrible weather it's grand to go to a match on May the 15th or 20th and the sun is beating down your knee <coughs> but these people are doing an awful lot of work for our communities uh, all over the county sorry, and all over the country it, 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 what Tom was alluding to was the, the GAF the Gaelic Grounds inside down the road we have a big grant gone to the rugby pitch over the road we have the dog track another big grant out the uh, instead of having that with the, the racetrack I mean we could have one stadium could do the whole lot nearly instead of uh, well, subsidising uh, stadiums everywhere you know that's, that's just throw money at it he has a point in it it's a big debate I have no sympathy for and can you imagine giving a hundred million or a bit of money to hospitals in Ireland who's <laughs> joking holy and people waiting in wheelchairs and people can't get into hospitals and people can't get, get with disabilities and, and, and homelessness and people in soap kitchens all over the country and they're getting the guts of a hundred million like the richest people in the world I mean where, where's our our moral conscience here we have an election coming down the road what are people going to ask those questions like I mean, are they going to test? Are you handing out, go down to Parky here from Cork, give them 40 or 50 million that made a complete hand that things from the word go? 80 million. 80 million. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, that's not, that's not right. Yeah. I mean, we have to, we have to say, these, these politicians who are, well, we were looking at their pensions and what they're getting there. They have to be responsible for what's going on. Well, in, and to stand yeah. up and say, look, this isn't right. And, and I can understand Kieran's talking about it, about local clubs. No one could tell me more about clubs. I was, I'm involved in, in clubs and fields and development and teams and youngsters since I was eight or nine years of age. I went to it. And I can see like that it's all about it's all about about how you have to have this facility and that facility, you have to have showers, you have to have a bar now, you have to have a lounge, you have to have a nightclub. No. You go to Kenya and go to go to Ethiopia, they're running the doctor like. And, and they have only a tap for to go in under for, for to wash themselves. I mean, Pat, can you, uh, Pat, world champions like. Pat, can you ask on hand why did it take so long for the shenanigans going on there if I had to come to this mess? Nobody saw what was going on. Regards, Mike. <coughs> why did it take so long? His right to come out. It's gone on a long, long, long time. I tell you, Pat, we had I, tickets I, mess I, as well, of course. Yeah. I tickets. never thought I'd see it sorted because I actually I knew what was going on, and. I got, I mean, what the, a huge financial loss and all that with myself, but uh, uh, I, I knew, I, I thought I'd never see the day. And okay, it's just the way that things, people get caught up with their own whatever. Something happened a bit with Sam, Sam Aralldice with England or whatever. And it was just that 100,000 thing that, and the, uh, credit to the Sunday Times and Mark Ty, the, the journalist there that uncovered the whole thing. Uh, but I mean, you were dealing with a very clever man who is very, very intelligent, highly intelligent, and channeled that intelligence into operating at the level that he did and keeping everything under control. And as I say, anybody who did question what you said there were immediately <coughs> sent 
mm. to whatever. But, so, but on, as, you, as you rightly said, there are times and there's other times have to be have to have to yes, take yeah. credit. They were taken yeah. to the high court, weren't they? Yes, they I were, mean, yeah, yeah. Up to Saturday night, like. That's right. So then, yeah. as you said, it kind of explains the whole thing. Otherwise, and Matt Ty, like has to be credited with, with his well, can, I, can I make a very quick point about it? The way that there was a stakeholders thing in the mansion house in Dublin there oh, last, um, last year sometime, and it was... Everybody invited to it. Not anybody was involved in any way in, in football. And there was a department, the sports, Shane Rossin called it. And there was a, a guy, ten, 10 at each table. And okay, there was a sports guy at each table to take notes or whatever. And I said, before you start this, will you make one very important note and bring it back to your boss? The Rio Olympics and Pat Hickey, your boss went out there and he was going to do a full investigation. And John Delaney was implicated in that. What happened to the investigation about Pat Hickey for a starter? And that was going to go on. Oh, yeah, suddenly he got ill and all that. Fine, the man might have got ill from maybe the stress that he was going under. But there was a huge thing going on there about tickets down with Rio. And the, the company that was formed by Marcus Evans, who I know initiated that whole scheme as well about the Pro, pro 10 tickets, a, a, a roundabout way to get tickets to sell them at exorbitant prices, that was never investigated by our Minister for Sport. Now, there's a thing. I'd love an answer to that. But you're talking about how things are kept. <coughs> Let's hide it under the carpet. But surely, on uh, somebody within the organisation, there was nobody there but the Model College. There was no whistleblower there. I know it's a fashionable word now. If there had been one person or two... But I think that's what, ha- that's what happened now. I think there had to be a whistleblower to get this, this but, whole thing... Yeah, but regards the ticket situation, that was worldwide known. Like, yeah. and it, it, my amazement there was that the politicians did, did nothing about and then have a raised device because you had families of people participating. They couldn't even get tickets for that particular thing. It is news. T- it is not news time. It is ad- advertising time, uh, sponsor time, and it is ten o'clock. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Eddie Ryan, and we we'll talk a little bit about politics. We're not talking about candidates or anything now. We're just talking about Eddie Ryan's involvement in and in his non-involvement. And we'll be back to you shortly. You are now tuned in to County Views on West Limerick 102 FM, sponsored by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. You are listening to the County Views podcast as broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM from 9.30 to 11pm on the 22nd of January 2020. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Coral McCarton, Dick Lanigan, Eddie Ryan and Owen Hand. As this is a County Views podcast, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. You are now tuned in to County Views on West Limerick 102FM, sponsored by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. Welcome back, listeners, and we're back on track again, hopefully. And as I said, we're joined by an, uh, uh, Tom Ryan tonight, Dick Lanigan, Coral McCorton, and Owen Hand, former manager of the Irish team and uh, player with the Irish soccer team at 19 caps. And we have also Eddie Ryan, the man who was and wasn't. And there's a load of text messages in about Eddie Ryan in the fall. So I'll have to read those first while the lads are speaking in case I read out something that mightn't be in the best interest of anybody. And just as I read there before, the first half of Eddie, <coughs> as most people know at this stage, you were selected or 
Uh, if that's the right word to use, at a convention, you got 78 votes and your runner-up got seven. And then you, you were told you'd be taken up to, is it 28, 32 Mount Street to be interviewed? 64, 65. Oh, I was out the wrong, wrong end. And it's lower, it's lower Mount Street. <clears throat> and anyway, you waited and waited and waited and waited for 12 long months and nothing happened at all. And then last, uh, last Monday decided to give you short notice I suppose one might think and then you made that famous statement last Monday night that you'd be a wonderful pair yourself for nine Collins and the following day you said sorry I'm not having any of that okay you've been treated in a um, unusual manner well briefly and I'll just take a minute or two on this uh, it was May 17 when obviously the election had been on in February 16. May 17 I was approached and contacted by Sean Dorgan, the General Secretary of Fianna Fáil and asked would I meet him. He was in Cork with Michal Martin. Would I meet him? And I met him uh, in the Bellicastine Hotel, three miles from Tipperary Town on his way back to Dublin. He asked me would I be prepared to be the running mate with Niall Collins come the next general election. And I said, who knows you're here? And he said, Michal Martin, I left him an hour and a half ago, and Niall Collins as of half five yesterday evening. I said, are you meeting anyone else? He said, no, we're giving no expectations to anyone else, only you, we want you to run with Niall Collins. So time passed, and uh, a month or two, Niall Collins made an approach to Lisa Marie Sheehy, who'd left Sinn Féin, and was, uh, would she be the candidate? Oh, who made Lisa Marie Sheehy, who got on Niall her? Collins approached her Just, uh, and she said she was out of politics and she saw it as being, she was a, a colleague of mine in the Capamorkin Malik Municipal District from Glenroe and an excellent councillor she was. She said no, I see that seat has been for Eddie to run there, he's waited for it and she declined it. He didn't contact her a month or two later, Antoinette Cunningham who is General Secretary of the Garda Sergeants Association and she said she would decline it on the grounds that she'd have to give up her job. Eventually, he found a guy by the name of Aidan Gleeson who was prepared to go. Haven't asked me, and I, there was no to be no convention apart from ratifying us. So we went to a convention on the 19th of January um, 2019, or just over a year ago. And on last Friday, I got a phone, I'd nothing heard in between from Sean Dorgan in 32 months. And Last Friday, I got a contact from uh, Colum Leahy's, the Munster organiser for Fianna Fáil, to know would I meet the constituency organising committee, which was chaired by Chris Flood. And I said, look, it's late, it's late in the evening, it's late in the time. What the hell? I said, I'll meet him. They changed it from Saturday to a conference call on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Then they changed it to 12 o'clock on the Monday and I duly spoke to him. Long story short, we went around the houses on the whole story again and... They were still uncommittal, but they wanted a commitment for me to run if I was asked. I said, yeah, I will. So I heard nothing until half four that evening when this uh, contacted by Colm Leahy and he said they were adding me to the ticket. Now, two of my daughters had said to me not to go. My son and my daughter were on, me, on my side, but had said, my daughter said, take 24 hours, even if they say yes. I didn't, unfortunately, and I said yes. Roller coaster then of press releases and all that went with that. I mulled over it all night, and I thought, I've been set up to lose, simple as, 16 days to go. It wasn't a fair crack of the whip. Niall Collins is all my area done. 
He hasn't it just done, he has it hoovered. Yeah. Yeah, with my two fellow councillors from the area. So I was in the back foot before I got on the, onto the rung of the ladder. And uh, at 6 a.m. on Tuesday morning, I contacted Colum Lee and said, I'm not going forward. So you didn't sleep too well that night, obviously. I slept from 4 o'clock to 6. And when I woke, I sent the message. <laughs> so that'll tell you I had a restless night. And agonised a lot over it. Yeah. And with a very heavy heart, I did what I did. But I couldn't see. I saw it as a futile exercise in me running for the doll with 16 days to go. And I was asked 32 months before that to run. And James Collins, by comparison, was ratified when Michael Martin came to Limerick in December 17. And he's on the ticket and up and running since December 17. Why do you think you've been treated in such a manner? Well, they can always say they put me on the ticket eventually, but yeah. it is obvious they wanted anyone but Eddie Ryan. But a, a very astute politician rang me this evening about you, and he said that uh, your area of the constituency has more votes than this side of the constituency, and that you would have been considered uh, a winner, literally, in in, a, yes. in that situation, yes. and that that was the reason that yeah. you weren't allowed in. They, well, there were holding me off let's yeah. say not to give me let me out of the traps until they were good and ready and they had their bit done yeah. now you could still say I could still have mounted the challenge but would it be meaningful was there a purpose to it it wasn't going to be cheap I was going to spend money on it and I decided against it now on hand what do you think of politics <laughs> now that you know all about the FAI <laughs> oh, well I mean I wish I knew enough about politics yeah. I mean the thing that intrigues me and I'm ignorant of the things it seems to me that you know Yesteryear, any politicians had some sort of, I mean, going back to, say, the Dick Spring era, the Chalpa mm. era, era, the, um, oh, God, what was the, the Fianna Gael man? Gareth Fitzgerald. Gareth All these people were highly educated. And I just, I'd love to know, what qualifications do you need, or if any, to go, go forward for some of the most important posts in the land, to govern it, to be over all the business, to, to make decisions that's going to affect imports, exports. And I mean, it intrigues me. Is it nothing? Is there a diploma that you need to get in social science? Or is there anything at all? As I understand it, all you need is sort of 30 constituents or 500 quid to put yourself forward. And that, to me, needs root and branch thing that, you know, I know there'd be a huge disagreement with this, oh, it's the people, it's the popularity of whoever is local or whatever, but there should be some qualification needed. So mm -hmm. that's, I, so I'm at base level here. I Sorry, I have a degree in social science, but that's of no relevance. I'm a farmer, that's yeah. what I do. Yeah. Well, I think Owen's point, we have... Yeah, he's making a fair point. Minister for farming, who was no farming, you're minister for children, who was no children, you're minister for God knows, you could go down to a minister for uh, finance. Probably there were many school teachers who never managed a whole yeah, A teacher with no, with no bank account. <laughs> a teacher with no bank account is right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I sympathise with Eddie, but politics is a ruthless, ruthless game. I don't follow you that much anymore. But it's, it's completely ruthless, and you're, you're, everyone, is, said, everyone is shafted, but people are shafted. But I must take up Owen's point. I think in America, they get in people that are qualified in, in say, computers, to look after the computer section, someone that's qualified in agriculture, that's, that's a successful person, mm -hmm. to go over the agricultural side. And here we could have someone from Dublin 4 looking after the farmers or... or mm. 
you know what I mean? Yeah. And that is a, definitely something that sh should be done because we don't seem to have the expertise and, and the, 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 the child, Children's Hospital points that definitely that we, we, we can overspend uh, maybe two billion on a project and nothing said about it. Like, we'll go back to Tom's point again, money is just thrown out without any a couple of weeks kicking up, yeah. You're yeah, agreeing yeah. with my point. Yes, I am indeed, yes. What you do have is the permanent government, you know, the civil service. Yes. So, uh, irrespective of uh, like who gets elected or in power, yes. they are the people that, run, uh, yes, that actually but, 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 effectively run the country. Okay. But uh, talking about politicians and combat their own, I tell you, one thing that is really, really uh, obvi ob uh, obvious that some of the major, uh, of the bigger uh, political parties, they're top-heavy with people with a, a, a legal background. And that's why there is very little uh, possibility of change in many areas of, of uh, public life and political life, while the legal profession have an iron grip on some of these parties. And that has been proven by uh, what's happening with the insurance uh, in, in, in this country. Uh, they cannot, for four years, they're talking about changing or uh, having uh, this inquiry are bringing down car insurance. I'm just going to yes. talk about car insurance, apart from the general insurance. They have no notion of changing. And if the same parties get in again, especially Fianna Fáil if in again, there will be no change in Canada. You will be paying more, Tom will be paying, we'll be all paying more, year by year. There is no accountability at all. So I would say, come back to, to at times, what you want is in politics is people with, that are honest, sincere, and are keen to make real, uh, definite change in, in the running of uh, this country. And they've got a qualification, some sort, mm -hmm. in, in anything. Uh, text, and I send this text from the high hills over looking Knock Row. I must go over to Knock Row some night. Fianna Fáil is repeating history as they've done. They did the very same thing to former councillor and Fianna Fáil to the Eddie Ryan back in 2002 as they did to councillor Eddie Ryan with the general election coming up. I'm truly disappointed. Eddie is not standing as he would have made a great choice for county limit for rural Ireland. Now, another question come in here was about the RIC and uh, Black and Tans commemoration and the Black and Tans of course well no, known and well remembered by the older people and passed uh, information on tours and there was a million euros set aside to commemorate the Black and Tans and the RIC while at the same time uh, Irish people are commemorating various events. Of We've had, uh, you hold one out in Bradford and Easter Monday, Corral, Easter Sunday morning, I think. Mm -hmm. And also William Smith O'Brien had one, there was one for him recently, I believe, down in, uh, in Arda. And we hold many other events remembering those who died during the 1916-22 period. And people have been on to me from that in, in many of those commemorations remembering the Irish men and women who died for Ireland during that period. That uh, that uh, special branches, as you will call them, are there in numbers and people's photographs have been taken and their names have been taken. And while at the same time, the, the government of the day are commemorating the RIC and Black and Tans and uh, wouldn't seem to be any plan to have the people who was going to attend and that so many their names taken, their photographs taken. Carol, are you familiar with that type of thing? Well, I am indeed. I've seen it and witnessed it many yeah. 
occasion. Uh, it is still going on, I understand. Yeah, to a lesser degree, no, no to a lesser degree. But uh, coming back to the, what I see, and especially the Black and Tans, whoever uh, taught up the idea that you can read both at the same time, uh, they were living in Plaukukuland. I mean, do they know? What, what, I mean, it's a hundred years ago since you know this country was in turmoil. I mean, the people had voted for the change. They had voted to withdraw from it, set up their own uh, government, you know, the first all. <coughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, like we're going into the 33rd now, and it all stemmed from uh, 1919 and then uh, subsequently 1920. So we have to honour the men and women who, uh, like, who stood by Ireland, who stood by, you know, the decision of the people, the democratic decision of the people, that they wanted to have, have no more to do. And, and this applied to the whole 32 counties. You know, the whole 32 counties were involved in the fight for Irish freedom. People tend to forget that. And, I mean, we have to honour those people. And the Black and Tans were a stain on this country, a disgrace to this country. But why, Carol, are the Irish people of today not allowed to attend commemorations that we hold remembering? They've been those? intimidated, they've been frightened. Been intimidated, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, over, over the years, uh, yeah. it was uh, seen as being subversive. I, I don't know how it could be subversive. I mean, you're only 100 people that are out and fought and died. Well, we said, uh, Carol, yeah. and, 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 yeah. and you honoured also the people that have fought and the died. The special in, in, branch, we say, might, last, might have been watching you, we'll say. Yeah, in the but last if, I, if I decided to go and, and all, I know people of 80 years of age, neighbours who went and they had their names taken, oh, that yeah. is intimidation. And yeah. totally wrong. Yeah. Totally wrong. Yeah. But, glad to see the differences. There is hypocrisy in this country. Uh, they thought it wrong for the partition people, the people that were downtrodden. They had no rights at all in the 600. They had to live under probably 60 years yeah. of uh, this uh, unionist rule. Uh, that they rose up, the same as the people all over Ireland rose up in, in 1960. On hand, of course, we have the Valley of Nakanoor below beside yourself there, which yeah. will be commemorated as yeah. well. And people attending that, I assume the special branch are out taking photographs and sometimes taking names as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't understand, maybe I've got it wrong, but I can't understand the, the fact that the, the black and tans are got, are, this thing about putting on a thing that their names would be on this thing or something like that. And I mean, I, I mean, so honor Thomas Cromwell, honor Hitler, yeah, yeah. honor Robert Mugabe, uh, Mugabe, Ida, Amin. To me, I just it beggars belief. Now I know this forgive and forget and all that yeah. all these people who died, but not the people who came and, and committed the atrocities that yeah. happened mm -hmm. with those guys, the black and tan. Whether they were a subsidiary of the RSC, you could go into any parish in this in this country, any parish, where uh, black and tans burn down <laughs> private houses, burn down shops. That to mention the burning of Belbriggan, the burning of Cork. We'll move. Sorry, sorry, like we'll move it around the table. Okay. <clears throat> On the well, the, the arrogance of uh, of Charlie Flanagan beats Banner. I mean, the man. He this is only deferred. It's not postponed or cancelled. So he's holding it off for another day. When not the minister <coughs> said he wants all out. The, the Taoiseach has said he'll need all party agreement before it could proceed. Well, he went a long way down the road without listening to anyone, and so did Charlie Flanagan. Like, we had, uh, in terms of commemoration, the rescue of Sean Hogan at the station of Knocklong took place on the 13th of May, 
1919. There was the, all those people that were involved, the soldiers, they're all in the monument in Galbley. But there was four people very actively involved, two doctors and one lady by the name of May Maloney and the Mary Margaret uh, Cummins. I did uh, something in terms of a civil, civic reception, posthumously awarded them <coughs> recently at the Capmore Camelic Municipal District because those people were forgotten. They didn't fire a shot. Their names weren't on the monument, but they needed to be remembered and not forgotten. Bad pleasure, yeah. yeah, I just think that that, that um, John Flanagan was was uh, overshot himself, you know, because he, he didn't seem to understand. I like your choice of words. Yeah. Yes, thank you. He didn't seem to understand that these people, um, particularly in Munster area, as far as I know, the Black and Tans, and even in, in South Leinster, they did created havoc. They killed people. That, as, 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 as Cyril said, burnt down places. But they were an, an untrained organisation sent over here. Now, there's a quarter of them might have been Irish, but let run free to do as they wish, you know. And then they were sent over to the Middle East after that to, to yeah. give the Arabs, teach the Arabs a lesson. You Tom, know, so. Dick said there that uh, Black and Tantans were active in Munster, he said. I know also Galway, of course, to yes. commit a terrible atrocities. But maybe is it a thing like that in Leinster, where that Minister Flanagan is from? Maybe the Black and Tans weren't active. Maybe he knew nothing about it. Maybe he was like a minister some years ago who said at a meeting in Wicklow one night that Kevin Barry was shot dead. Maybe he didn't seem to know... Well, it was a total badly, it was ill-judged and ill-thought out anyway. I'm sure he didn't do it on his own. He couldn't have a, a you know, there was a, there was a cabinet decision. A lot of them mm. went away and he did, you know. And yeah. uh, when, the, when the first, <coughs> the, the first objector was, I think, the Mayor Clare. I had him on the radio yeah. one morning. Yeah. I'm sure really any decent, respectable, I mean, person that's, that's, you know, has any idea of our history and our history is, is forgotten here, you know, in its in this recent history. It's forgotten by the first lot to have it forgotten about our politicians. But to go and think that uh, the RAC and the B specialists, that, well, yeah, you can put them in the same boat as well, like the Black and Tans and the Auxiliaries, you know, that they were the, the mayhem that they created and the murders and the, and the terrorism that they actually that they have perpetrated on the Irish people, uh, peasant people struggling and struggling for their freedom, uh, uh, pe- people that were only barely educated, you know, I mean, they, they, everything was curtailed, their education, their, their development, their any bit of industry or enterprise was all trodden on by the mighty British Empire, who are the experts in terrorism, they can talk about the Arabs and they can talk about Al-Qaeda and the whole lot. They are original terrorists from the British and they're and, uh, still at it in, in disguise. So, like, I mean, to think that an Irish minister in a government in about having, uh, honouring the people that were the perpetrators, what they did on the Irish people, was one thing, I don't know what, what we're thinking of, but it goes to show again, as Owen has already said, he's, he's a solicitor, he's a very, very highly educated man, I presume they all are, and, uh, <coughs> He would to think that he would actually get away with that thing. And it was the only people called him out like. He wasn't called over out of the doll. They all jumped in the bandwagon when they yeah. when they, you know, he wasn't called out of the doll. Fina Farward they were the supporters of, you know, this uh pact that they had with Finnegale. 
they, they have to accept responsibility as well to a point because they should they should have known about it. If they were that close to them getting them in power, they should know that they, whatever was happening, they should be on the ball. If they weren't, they shouldn't be there. So, like, I mean, I think myself it was a disgrace, but not I wouldn't blame Charlie Flanagan on his own because that would be too easy for everybody. Well done to Eddie for standing for the unborn, Helen O'Brien. Maybe that was part of your problem, was it? Well, I, I would honestly say yes is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still, I still hold that to this day because um, we've, we saw a situation, you've seen a situation here, if I can have a minute on it, that we've seen For the Love of Dogs, a television programme now. We saw what went on in relation to greyhounds and how greyhounds were treated. And the outcry and the convulsed attitude of people about all this that went on in terms of cruelty to animals. 64% of the people voted to bring in the taking of the life of the unborn and jumped up and down for glee when that came through above in, in, in Dublin Castle. Abortion. Abortion. Mm. The taking of the life of the unborn. Yeah. It's no, nothing else. And I made a stand against church gate collections. Yes, I've made a few stands wrongly, probably. Politically, I didn't toe the line. Against holding a church gate collection for a political party outside the House of God and using that money to promote policy yeah. of death for the unborn. But if I, I remember, can't hold it. If I remember right, the, uh, as a Fianna Fáil uh, convention, or whatever to call it, the, 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 the majority of the people of Fianna Fáil members voted against uh, abortion. An Ardish passed. An Ardish. They were totally opposed to it. Op the Ardish was opposed to it with a totally huge majority. By a huge majority. And then 44 the TDs, 33 of them were opposed to it, opposed to repeal in the Eighth Amendment. 11 were for it. Niall Collins and Michal Martin and nine others ploughed their own furrow and went for this social, this social modern... Uh, type of, of yeah. politics or politics but how can you remain a member of a party that has total disregard the decisions of the local members who selected you back in January and the Ardish that decided they were going to vote against the abortion yes. and Michal Martin and a few more with him decided to forget them Amadons this is what we're doing and we yes did you I, I was, I was asked Is there that, any democracy in that setup? No, I was asked that today in Live 95. And as long as Michal Martin and all the Collinses are in Fianna Fáil, so are my family. And we're three generations Fianna Fáil. I'm in Fianna Fáil. I wanted to have an ideology that stands up for people and believes in something. I'm not running away from it. I want to change it and get it back to have values that it had in the past and look after the unborn and those that need help. And do you think you will be successful sometime? God is good. So far, not. Yeah. But somebody has to stay with it. They'd love you to go so they can kick you in the backside and say he's disgruntled, he's an awkward individual, he's a contrary B, or whatever it is. But hang in there and have your say. That's oh, my hand, policy. An open-minded man, what do you think? What do I think of... Of, of uh, the, that position. You mean about the... the Eddie, where the, 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 the decisions... Uh, one decision is made by the people and a few at the top make an alternative decision and, and ignore the, decision, the wishes of the people, really. Correct. Yeah. Well, I think the wishes of the people is the thing. I mean, that's what, surely that's got to be the way. I would imagine so, yeah. 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 I would have thought that I was going to... Be, that's democracy. But it's a dangerous situation, I suppose, when we reach uh, the point we're at. But the people's decisions... The minority, the minority have a say, too. 
they don't always be heard, they can always be ignored, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they can have a say. And this a, is pu- a public forum like this yeah. gives uh, people the opportunity to have a say. This is what a well-known personality and, and, and a would-be politician. And Eddie is too honest to be associated with Fianna Fáil. He should have decided to go independent a long time ago. So says Hi. Christy Kelly of Tempered Lantern. Christy, now, how are you doing? And another topic we have, which is a very serious one, I was talking to a guard the other night and he said that the drug situation is absolutely shocking and frightening among the young people. And I see a survey in England the other day, and I'm sure to be the same in England, that 50% of the people attending music festivals, etc., take drugs. And I, I would probably... It will be much the same here, and we've had a lot of terrible tragedies all over the country for quite some time back. We have, I won't name any, but they're all over the place. We had Mitchellstown Festival, and we had another one in Galway, and we have them all over the place. Tom, are you familiar with the drug scene any bit? Well, sure. Or aware of it, anyhow? We have been talking about it, like, for a long time, you know, on the programme at the Gareth's, you know. The, we know that it's rampant now. And uh, we know that, that uh, you know, there isn't anybody, I think, producing a solution. Or if they are, that it's not been funded or it's not been directed in any way. And with the, with, with the element and the connection with the crime, laws and the, gang, the gangs and the, the, the brutal murders we've seen, like, it, it appears to have only reached the, the, the doors of the politicians last week. Now that the election is there. And um, I got a call last night, now, and uh, you know, from a listener. And uh, you know, this this woman now, she, she was, she had her eleven grandchildren for dinner last Sunday, with a family, the family union. And she sat down in the in in the kitchen after dinner, and uh, she spoke to them all. She didn't lecture them on what they should be doing or anything. They were they were from primary school and secondary school, and one or two starting at uni and she just asked them what they felt about this about the whole scene now i was surprised with the answer because they were shocked with what she told me they were absolutely they were not going to they had stopped going to nightclubs due to the fact due to the drug situation there and if we talk about drugs the first thing like the first drug and the major drug in the country is drink and nobody's talking about that because that's a that's a that's the popular thing to do and everything is provides around it, sport and all that and I can debate that with other people and uh, I'd love to hear Owner talking about this because I want to ask him one or two questions before we before the programme finishes as well. It's very important that, that he's here, that he's doing a great job here tonight as well. So like this woman said to me, she said, Why can't the schools she asked them what what they're being educated or what they've been taught or was it being debated between the schools? No. And I mean secondary schools, primary schools and unis. No uh, advice, no lectures, no debates or people coming into the schools talking about the, the damage that drug is. And I, I feel the same myself that we have to start there. Now just before we go to an ad break and we'll be back then to continue that topic of discussion, I met a lady in the streets of Newcastle West today and she says, Oh Pat, delighted to meet you. I was listening to your programme there with um, 
Margot, the singer there recently, and it brought tears to my eyes and many other people that listened to it. And that particular program, I brought her on to talk and sing, but she finished up for 50 minutes talking about drink, drugs and drink. And I've often said that that program should have been brought into every school, that recording of Margot telling of what happened to her with drugs and drink. So we'll go to that break, back to shortly, and we'll be back on that topic. And if you want to call us in there, I should have given out the number there all night, 0696600 and 0871669800. We had a little bit of difficulty with an electrical matter there, which took my attention away a little bit earlier on. And Christy Kelly says, Niall Collins was, was one of a number of politicians who signed a document in support of abortion in Argentina. In two is the only doll party opposed to abortion. So says Christy Kelly, whether he's right or not, that's what he says. He's right. You are now tuned in to County Views on West Limerick 102 FM, sponsored by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. You are listening to the County Views podcast as broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM from 9.30 to 11pm on the 22nd of January 2020. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Karol McCarton, Dick Lanigan, Eddie Ryan and Owen Hand. As this is a County Views podcast, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. This is County Views live on a Wednesday evening. With Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan and guests, please call 069 66200 or 087 166 9800 to take part in the discussion. You are now tuned in to County Views on West Limerick 102 FM, sponsored by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. Welcome back, listeners. And, of course, this programme is going out live until 11 o'clock tonight, and it is repeated tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock until half past eight. This programme, many of you might have missed it due to other attractions on television tonight, which many people tell me they wouldn't be watching that either. But anyone who was, as I said, this programme is repeated tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock until half past eight, as it is on every Thursday. And we were talking about the drug scene and the drink scene, I suppose, and the changing face of Ireland and the young people, particularly uh, Dick. Let's go back to own hands point where there was no academy formed in Ireland and decisions are made in organisations where if there was an academy, we, you might have saved a hundred or a thousand young lads from going down that road. Like when we were going up, it was the, the legs of Tom that was trained us, guided us on that, it helped to go down the road we went down, you know, and people that didn't get paid or did everything voluntary. Mm. And that's maybe dying a bit, I don't know, but decisions made in Dublin, they are few to have, even the GA, they have these special com- or clubs, aren't they, for young lads, if they're 16, they have to go into Limerick, into special, and some of them that don't make it, don't stay hurling, they get so disappointed, and, you know, you, you can't make too much of a young lad, just include everyone and, and encourage everyone on, so the, that's my view on it. It's a f- well... Talking about the drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of, I think I know a fair bit about it. My cousin, he recently retired. He was James Hunt. He was the head of the DEA in New York. So he used to be telling me all this stuff that he's got. In fact, he brought me around Harlem once, and I couldn't believe it. You know, just gave me a tour of Harlem over there. But uh, he comes to Kerry every week, every year, uh, next to golf. But um, 
he was telling me, like, I mean, you can see the problem increasing in, in Ireland. And I, him, the stuff he was saying to me is being repeated here about all the stuff that went on with, with, with the drug scene in America, but mainly New York he was dealing with. I also know some guards who are involved in the drug scene here and in Dublin. And they tell me this stuff, the way the, the youngsters are groomed, back to the point about the youngsters, they're groomed and the way that it's done, I mean, you, you can nearly not blame them. All of a sudden they're in the scene and then you get the likes of, you know, now it's got to a point where, uh, you know, the dehumanisation of everything, like, I mean, that's what's happening now. You know, you see these horrific crimes, like barbaric, flipping medieval stuff going on. And it just makes you wonder, and you think, well, is this, and we just hope, I mean, like, say, the FBI, there's a seminal moment, an opportunity to change. Is this a Veronica Gearin moment, all this recent stuff? Because it has to be addressed seriously. And, again, my cousin was saying, yes, the way that they did it in America, they went heavy, heavy, heavy with an awful lot more undercover guys and, you know, doing dangerous work because that's what had to be done, to root them out and stick them where they deserve to be put, to stop all this, the grooming particularly. That's the huge problem. Is it a pity, Eddie, we don't have more politicians like Owen there coming out with statements like that? And a solution. Or doing something about it. Or trying, and you know, solution, I mean, coming the solution, up with, with a solution. As well. to, yeah. But Pat, also, from the drug end, from the drug thing, there's massive crime involved. Take a woman that came out of the credit union in Kilfinnan last, last Saturday week. She'd drawn out a bit of money in the region of a thousand quid. She wisely went to the boot of her car, opened it, and put her handbag into the boot of the car. Went to get into her car when a young man came to the boot of her car, opened it, took her handbag, sat back into a car that was parked behind her with another driver, and they headed off towards the Kilmallock Road. They were either going to Kilmallock or Kildallery once they'd get to the, the, the junction to cross the black. Uh, phone the guards, 999, within a minute. That was on Saturday at 11 o'clock. She got a call from a, a guard after a quarter past eight on Sunday evening, were you looking for a guard? After she dialed 999 at 11 o'clock on a Saturday. So our whole system is breaking down. And drugs, crime and everything, they're all related. We just don't seem to have a guard on the beat. Like, this was a reasonable, reasonable chance that that car went to Kilmallock or Kildallery. Gettable, it was gettable in my view, because of the, the swiftness of the phone call in town. But we don't seem to have a squad car. Last we don't week seem to have we had Councillor Jerome Scanlon on telling us about the situation in Abbey Field, where some guys seem to be heavily on drugs. He was barefoot at night, 8 o'clock of a Monday night, sitting on the street and hanging off the wing mirrors of flurries. And over a period of three quarters of an hour, different people rang the guards to say this guy was acting in an unusual manner in the street in Abbey feel and uh, there was no guard available in Stoll, there was no guard available in Abbey Field, there was no guard available in Newcastle West, the only one available was in Red Keel. Right. Politics and voting for politicians and uh, so there seems to be a total breakdown of law and order well, completely. Rural Ireland has been abandoned. Yeah. The rural Ireland has been closed down and agriculture has been abandoned and it's not, maybe it's all to do with this government, maybe it's not all to do with this government, but it, ha it has happened. People in farming today trying to meet bills, they're on their knees. They are absolutely well, I wouldn't on blame this government just because this has gone on for a long, long time. Like it didn't stop. Well, they were keeping their head over water, Pat. They're not even able to do that now. 
farmers. Yes. Oh yeah. Corral. Well, coming back to the, to the drug scene and the drink the, scene. The drug and scene. The uh, first of all, um, I don't think uh, if you if you pinpoint just we said uh, the person at, at at the bottom rung, it's the people like the supply of drugs is not coming from the type of person that we are talking about here. There is very, very, very powerful people bringing drugs to this country. It's not, we said, a lad that's running around uh, in South Hill or some you know, street here in, in, in Newcastle West. These people, and they are, I, I presume they're known to the authorities, and they're able to bring them in. It's not, it's not the low-level crime uh, a, a criminal that is able to, or has you know, the means to bring in these drugs. So why aren't they able to? And I'm sure with that intelligence, they have a fair idea who could be behind a lot of the big supply of drugs. Now, I would ask the question, there is something underhand and some people somewhere being bought off. Now, you can put two and two together. I'm not alluding to anything that has happened in this area or anything like that, but there has to be a big question mark because it's not the ordinary, for the want of a better word, Joe Soap, that's able to organise all this. Yes, you know, but uh, you, have a good, you, have, you have a good point, my dear, like, and I think it was answered yesterday in the, by the rapid, the, the GRAs, the rapid response unit, where their equipment is already there. They have actually very little support, and uh, they have, they, they outlined, I think, with about 20, 20 different areas where this is the, these are the, as Owen has rightly said, you have to meet fire with fire, you know, I mean, this thing has gone now, it's like the, like the fires in Australia, it's out of control. And uh, as I said, like, the people that are, that are there, I mean, our intelligence uh, operations, like, and our guard, uh, like, I mean, our guard uh, numbers are, uh, well, they're not, they're as high as possible, they're already, maybe to a point. A lot of them are behind this, doing intelligence work, they should be out, like, I mean, attacking the actual problems. The, the, the area of, of that nobody's talking about are the solutions, you know, and uh, we come back to the schools and Dick spoke about them, and I think that that has to be, like, part of our school curriculum now has to be about social behaviour as regards, and as regards drugs, as regards, uh, behavior, like, all sorts of conduct. We see the age gap now of of crime with young people, two 13 year old boys sentenced to life in prison. Mm. I mean, and we saw a 17 year old boy last week dismembered and need to be one of the, that he was, he was no angel, I don't know, I mean, he was kind of, the way he was conducting himself. But to be honest about it, like, that's frightening. And, you know, our, this country is governed by, uh, you know, because it's a, a democracy. The duty of the leaders in our government and our incoming government are to protect the people and to and to run the country in insofar as the people will be safe. That's the first priority. And what I can see is like that, okay, we as a people and as a, as as other individuals and citizens going away have to play a part by getting involved and by talking about it. Our schools have to be brought into line and but the most important aspect of all is our own behaviour, and I think that alcohol has played a huge part in uh, it's it's the starting model. We see it all starts now. I mean, I'm I'm very much like aware of young people's behaviour, and even at in sporting issues and sporting organisations, a lot of them have questions answered as well, 
and celebrations and all this kind of thing. When you win a cup, they're going to pubs and they're bringing their... You know, it's peer pressure as well is a big factor. Our schools, our, our second level and third level schools, like, I mean, they're not giving the guidance either. You know, the behaviour of the school we saw in court last week, sure, I mean, you wouldn't see that in, like, in Zimbabwe in most time. Dick, why do you think that this Ireland of today has gone to such a terrible, outrageous, shocking state of behaviour? Well, there's there's yeah, a lot of reasons. respect for persons yeah. or yeah. life. But... To, to one point, the, the influence of the church has declined for certain people that were, were, were attending and still are. The, the one thing I see, I hear professional people taking it. Some tell me that they take a small amount to keep them going. So if, if players did once a month, if they took a hair sample, it lasts three months or more in your hair. And if, if they were caught with it, that their, their, their passport to be endorsed for two years or something. So, so that they couldn't go abroad or couldn't go to America or something. Like it's, 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 it's disgraceful to hear of students, in, highly educated students, I, I hear it all the time, taking this drug. And they're going to be the leaders of the country tomorrow. You know, that's what worries me is that they're educated. The education system seemingly didn't tell them not to take the drug. And that in one university, the head consultant will not attend anymore the ball. But there's so many students taking the drug and that, when he came in. What has to be highlighted as well is everybody, everybody that takes drugs is part of the problem. Yes. Uh, those, I mean, it's, it, it's fashionable in, 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 in certain quarters. You know, there's people in, in high places, you know, people that have a high profile. And these people, and we're supposed to look up to these people, and some of these people nearly boast that you know that they have this is a kind of a rec recreational drugs it's called well they are as much the problem as the person supplying it at at a, at a street level if they are to blame so anytime a person takes a drug in some ways in conscience that person is responsible for some of the uh, killings the massacring that's going on in this country but that won't be said openly because you are offending then some of the powers that be in high places because they are taking the drugs as well and they're the people that have the money to take the drugs yeah, and pay for them. Sorry, but you can't, you can't relate the, the, the guy that you said earlier on, the, the, the big dealers who were getting, OK, get to them. As against, say, we hear now, like, I mean, say, when I was growing up, and I'm sure lot around this table. It went cool if you didn't smoke. John Wayne on the yes, cinema. Was the ladies all had the cigarette holders. Yeah. And if you didn't smoke, you were kind of not one of the gang. Same thing is happening now with drugs. And this, you know, you even see this thing about young girls to have to save for their debs to have a bit of cocaine. I mean, how ridiculous is that? But you can't put them in the same level and blame them. It's, it's again, it's a society that's actually created this thing, like the fags back in my era. You know, you've got to get to the source of the whole thing mm -hmm. about where the supply yep. is coming from and then deterrence. Yeah. That's yeah, I but, couldn't but, agree but, with Owen 100% more. These are mind-altering. These are mind-altering drugs. As they move I mean, on. I'd never smoke, but I mean, yeah. smoking didn't actually alter your mind and yeah. make you crazy. Mm -hmm. At least I'd say that for it. I'm not defended. Uh, drink to a lesser degree, okay, people will get stupidly drunk. But these, we're talking about hard drugs now, and you can't compare, you know, it's like comparing apples and others. But we have heard that they're putting money aside for drugs or cannabis, whatever they're taking. In, for the dibs, it's all part of night out. And then it leads on, you're on, you're on, and away you go to other things as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
but people also chose not to drink alcohol and they chose not to smoke. Plenty of them that I know and you but know. But nowadays there is an element of peer pressure though, probably more so than before and also in Tom Ryan days and mine especially anyway, that we didn't have money to spare to buy drinks so it was easy enough to keep some of us off it, you know. But you used to buy fags in twos. That's well, if, you look right, at yeah. Yeah. If, if you look at the drink situation, you know, I, I, I'm coming back to that because, you know, it, it's been kind of spread under the cap a little bit when we go to the, um, to the hard drugs and to the, you know, the, the coke and, and cannabis and that kind of stuff. But um, when you look at it, like, I've been an observer now, like, of, of behaviour for a long time, you know, been involved with teams, been involved, and a long time been involved with teams and been involved, and you see, what happens is, like, example is very important to me. I saw good teams and top teams, championship winning teams, and they, they were, they were, they came to nothing over drink. But what I did notice was, I, I said, okay, adults will do their own things in free country, and I'm not happy smoke, I'm not advocate of telling people what they should do and what they shouldn't do. But from a sporting aspect of it, like, I've seen young people, very talented young players coming on to see now, and I'd be watching them, maybe coaching them, maybe talking to them all the time, maybe with them at their side, like, I mean, get that big county club or whatever it is, and deep knows this. And all the time talking to them and telling them, look, lads, you, you have a life to live in, you know, but no. The star of the team, the county player, the international soccer star, we saw George Best, the, one of the greatest, I suppose, athletes and footballers that ever lived. Like, and we saw the examples that people were, people take that on board, and, and young people in particular. I had an instance, we said, like, of, of, of one day we were in Westford playing a league match. The first match of the league, we're playing Westford after the 96th All-Ireland, the first game in the, following, in the following league, and we were jammed into Westford Park. And one of our players who was, who was um, injured was there on the sideline, and he was beside me. And there was, um, and it's very important now to just to, to take this into context. Uh, this man, he'd die if he hadn't uh, if the, the strongest fight he could get, and you couldn't do nothing about it. He'd smoke for 24 hours a day. But he had a fag in his hand and he was smoking. And this woman was up against the wire, up against the pack, the legs out the ends. And she totally bothered her. I said, eight and ten. And they said, Mammy, look, this player was, he wasn't playing that day, he wasn't even himself, he was injured, supposed to be, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so, uh, when the lads, when the boy said her, I heard her, I was, you know, I'm tuned in now, you know, I suppose I should be watching what's going on in the field, I felt there, and I suppose happening behind me, but whatever. She said, look, Mammy, this is such a player, top star now, all star, says, and look, Mammy, he's smoking. You see, so there you were. You were looking at eight or ten years of age. They weren't limited to what she was a Wexford woman and her two boys. That you see, so that that shows you the influence, like that these stars and these superstars and the, all the media and all these, you know, the behaviour, like and you know, the photographs and the whole thing. They they have a huge impression and make a huge impression on young 
women and young men. And it's, I think, you know, how can you contract that? Oh, and you mentioned there were well, in Harlem and down the streets and so forth. And I was in America about 50 years ago as well. And I was in the hotel business for a short time. And the policemen used to call into the place and they take me around at night time in their big fancy police car. And they called, this is 52 years ago, and they called two houses. And uh, the young lad in the, was brought out, sat into the car, who was taking drugs, who was supplying drugs, and this is 50. Here now at that time, it was Anadin's Nasp, was all we ever heard of. But I've often said from then onwards that we did absolutely nothing about it here. And it was allowed to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And basically, one could even say tonight, they're not still doing a whole lot about it. Nothing about it. They let it get out of control. Well, this is it. I mean, it's yeah. the deterrence as well. And I mean, okay. I mean, how many guard stations have been closed down? Never yeah. mind. Okay, if you want to get the force, you want to get the quanti- quantity of guards that you'll need yeah. if you want to address this, yeah. because it has gone into huge. That's a huge, massive problem. Massive. And it, it, it massive. really is. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, yeah. the spin-off from all these things. You know, never mind. Okay, the murders. There's so many other different crimes, like burglaries and old women being being attacked, and any yeah, any yeah. stupid thing that get money. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, a huge, yeah. It's huge, a huge spin off. Yeah, there has yeah, to yeah. be, the, the, as I say, the undercover guys and, and lots of them, <coughs> and then, as I said, the deterrence yeah. have to be applied. You know, that's I'm, I'm, uh, on and uh, there. Uh, there's been no national debate on drugs. Oh, like, no. We've had the citizens' assembly yeah. debating. Uh, issues that are well, totally, really urgent. I'm totally opposed to this. Oh, some I, some I. But, I mean, but if they were doing that, yeah. like that, that, that is one question. Yeah. And, and one issue that they could yeah. really address yeah. and, and get and a consensus. It's too, it's too contentious, you see. What? Too, it's too contentious. Pat, is it okay if I have a question for Owen? Yeah, you have seven, yeah. eight minutes yeah, to yeah, right. so, I mean, round it up. Great to have him here. Huge, experienced man. You know, I'd like to ask him. What um, what he thinks of the situation now in the football world, not as the FAI, but Irish our international team and the monies that have been paid. He soldiered in England now in the good times and the were great times. For eight thousand a year, nineteen sixty. Yes. How was that worth in today's money? No, how did he, what did he <laughs> feel eight thousand a year you got in nineteen sixty eight? I think I see it down. The is it show business now or is it is it football? Forty five quid a week. No, I mean I started with Ireland as international manager, twelve thousand a year. Yeah, and uh, four years, five years later, I was twelve and a half thousand. You know, so um, and then Jack came in and. Uh, they said to Jack, "What you want?" Because I mean, I just took what was on offer. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. An honor to be the manager of Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it wasn't a question of money. It was didn't matter. Didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, the players were played buttons. They paid buttons. But Jack came in, and of course, that's that's funny what he said. He says, "Oh, just give me what hand that." What are you? Doing? And they, he was told. He says, "Oh, I can't say this. I'll have to swear on the thing." I'm not bloody working for that. <laughs> and of course, then uh, General Motors came in. And that was the first sponsor that came. Then the big thing started on thirty-five or something like that. And then of course we know his success. Blah blah blah. Sure, he could have become president if he wanted. But I mean, I think. I think it's gone totally the other direction now. Absolutely, totally the other. I'm you know, the opposite of what Roy Keane was on about, you know, the prawn sandwiches and all that. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's they're spoiled rotten. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm sorry, I can't watch Premier Football. You know, you know, the mantra now is cheat if you can get away with it. And yeah. that, it, I get absolutely angry at it because I see it being, re- you know, being repeated with youngsters. And, the, you know, when they get into the penalty area, the coach is screaming, go down, go down, go down. And yeah. I go to the coach and I flip and want to hit him. Yeah. How can you 
teach a kid to cheat. How can you, mm. if he wants to win a game, he's not winning it by fair play. That's what sport is about. That's integrity. Mm. It's gone. Mm. You know, every game you look, okay, I mean, you see some managers like, uh, I think, uh, what do you call them, Klopp, is very good. And you don't see it so much with Liverpool because they've got it right. And that's why it's great to see them. But you see them on, and they're more worried about their bloody haircuts and everything like that. And they dive on the ground, a slight little touch, yes. penalty area, they're down. Anything. But the money they're getting paid is, it, is horrendous. Is, is, horrendous. I mean, what is it called? The reserve goalkeeper there smashed his Lamborghini there the other day with some West Ham keeper or something like that. Mm-hmm. His Lamborghini and his Ferrari and all these. I mean, this guy's like, I mean, they're 19 years of age. And they're earning huge money. Yeah. Where's the motivation go for them? Yeah, but I mean, coming back to crazy. the... Crazy. Anyways, let's go on. Tom, ask, ask, ask the question again, because I think Pat... Uh, Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you again. I'll, give, I'll let you back in again with your question. Tom, asked a very relevant question. Tom, you can go with your question. I just want to do this. A couple of text messages come in here with respect to the people who send them in. Well done, Teddy Ryan, for sticking to his principles. He's 100% correct in his stance on behalf of the unborn, and it's a stain on our country that we facilitate abortion. Very sorry to hear that he's not going forward to represent us in all areas. People principles are sadly lacking among our public representatives. West Limerick listener, Pat DeGaudi, his special powers to round up Republicans, why can't they do the same thing with the drug criminals? I think the civil liberties groups are responsible for the breakdown of society as the guards can't arrest unless they have a lot of evidence. John Egan, glad you stayed tuned to us there and that the soccer didn't throw you off, John. And also to Helen O'Brien, that congratulations to Eddie and he's a gentleman in relation to the uh, what well done to Eddie for standing for the unborn Helen O'Brien. Tom. Yeah, no, I, I what, what you, Pat... You were, you were asking one question there, and Pat interrupted. Yeah. Pat, oh, you, Pat wouldn't dare interrupt me. <laughs> well, you use, the time, yeah. Yeah. use your time rapidly to uh, really yes. well, uh, well, I was, uh, like, I just wanted to ask him, like, where we stood in, on the international season, like, <coughs> with, uh, with, uh, with, with the present team, and the prospects, I mean, coming down the line, and in comparison to what's happening in the English situation, because he's huge experience across the board, and I said, our listeners would definitely want to hear him. Hear his opinion. Oh, I mean, it's changed. The whole dynamics have changed. Like, I mean, you look at say my era and even Jack's era, where there was Premier League first, first division then, Premier League, um, and again that goes back to the the quality of players that were going across and the numbers that were going across. You'll never have a situation now where you had say Arsenal with O'Leary, with Liam Brady, with John Devine or Frank Stapleton. You know, four young lads that went over and came through the system. Now the system. The whole dynamics of the change because it's all recruiting from abroad because they all want to be the number one club. They all want to be, the, and it's all the, the foreign money coming in. Yeah, the money. Fellas, they haven't got a clue about football, these guys who own the clubs. Not a clue. So you, you get this, the young lad, the talented guy, even the English and the Northern Ireland, the Welsh and the Scottish, they've got the same problem. They cannot get through the system to get the first team. So they're playing football at a lower level. We are not too bad. But most of our stuff was the championship, second division, the old second division. I mean, my day was all Premier stuff. All our lads were, were top-class players. Top class. And that's a huge... I mean, when you're going from a lower division football, no matter you're competitive and then you go representing your country, and OK, you're playing against the Francis, the Italy's, the Germany, it's, it's a lot harder then to get through. So Mick McCarthy, I think, gets the most out of what we've got. And you can't ask me... I mean, he's, he's an honest manager, he's an honest man. And he gets the most out of what we've got. He's had a difficult task now. But uh, it, it, it is a very difficult thing. And it's, it's an involvement 
that you think and you hope that the bubble will burst with the money in England that they will get, because the English national team is suffering too. I don't care what they say that they've got a chance. They never win a World Cup again, not the way the system is. What baffles me about the whole thing is how Irish people can still, maybe there was some reason, maybe 20, 30 years ago, how, how they can say, I'm a Liverpool supporter. I mean, I, I cringe when I hear people saying that. I cringe. That it's the new religion. Yeah, yeah it's tell you the that. new religion. It is. It is. It's show business to a point, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But this is cultural imperialism yeah. uh, <laughs> taking over. Cheryl, Cheryl, I, I there's a few people I know in Ivan and Liverpool and Manchester. They, 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 they'd fight people. They and I'm yeah. saying, I, we ever at Liverpool. Yeah, that's, right, that's, that's right, that's right. No. They wouldn't even know where to go. They've yeah. never been there. They've never been there. I mean, why they're loyal or follow a certain such a team? Why not follow a team from Germany or Brazil? It or, is 11 o'clock. It is 11 o'clock. It is 11 o'clock. Quickly. Briefly, I would like to thank the people that text in and the good wishes from all of them and just say on Fianna Fáil, Fianna Fáil is controlled, owned and ran by Jerry Collins and his family. They don't finance it, but they own it and they run it. And I'm delighted to announce here tonight that Michael Collins, Councillor Michael Collins, uh, a colleague of yours in the auctioneering business, is up and running for Fianna Fáil in this election. So yeah. people will have a choice as to who vote for, and I will back him to nail. Thank you, Eddie. And one last question there from me is, are you going to canvass? I'm going to canvass for Michael Collins. Yes, I am. Point. Yes, on. Would you somebody ban all these posters? Posters, yes, you were. He's the, and he's the yeah. only candidate in Ireland that's <laughs> not using posters. He's, not, he's using no posters. Posters. And he's the candidate in this election. So think of the environment and vote Michael Collins. Posters for another night. Uh, our sincere thanks to Tom Ryan, Dick Lanigan, Carol McCorton. Eddie Ryan, and I think a special thanks to Owen. We thought Tom, Ni Tom Ryan was a man of huge knowledge, but I think, Owen, you've nearly passed him out tonight <laughs> on a wide range of knowledge. He nearly passed me out. He's just standing up. He could have had. So our thanks to all you gentlemen, and I suppose this is really looking down at the four of you, looking across at the five of you here tonight from where I'm sitting, it really shows what community radio is all about. Indeed. The, 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 well so our Thank you for the invitation. Thanks to all, and of course, not forgetting Jason on the other side, and I suppose not forgetting myself, all of us here, we, nobody gets paid. We're all struggling, all self-employed on our thing, and as we say, that's what community, and we thank you, listeners, for your wonderful support as well. A great our, service. And a huge number of text messages we get in also. And we were hoping, we hope we'll be able to discuss an amalgamation with East Limerick and West Limerick in a radio station that all people can listen to. They want it. They want it, I'm telling you. Another night, another day. So, listeners, thank you. Good night. God bless and take care. And we'll see you again next Wednesday night. West Limerick 102. You've just been listening to the County Views podcast as broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM on the 22nd of January 2020 from 9.30 to 11 p.m. Carol McCatorn, Dick Lanigan, Eddie Ryan and Owen Hand joined Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan for the discussion this week. County Views is sponsored by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West.